This episode is sponsored by Paleo Valley. Paleo Valley's meat sticks have been a lifesaver during this hot summer. Since they're shelf stable, I always have three Paleo Valley meat sticks in my bag at all times. It's also been perfect for my boys' lunch boxes. I love Paleo Valley's grass finished beef sticks and pasture raised turkey sticks because they support US family farmers that focus on regenerative agriculture. These meat sticks are from animals that have never been fed grains, soy, corn, or GMOs and have never been given antibiotics. The spices in these meat sticks are also 100% organic. The sticks come in five different flavors, and my favorite is the original beef stick, and my boys love the teriyaki beef sticks and the original pasture raised turkey stick. Paleo Valley's meat sticks are a perfect snack and, frankly, a great value without skimping on quality. Each stick is about $2 with our discount code, and it comes in a 10 pack bag. Make sure to support this podcast and head over to paleovalley.comslash CATG and use code CATG to get 15% off your first order. Thanks for listening and supporting the Cutting Against the Grain podcast. This episode is sponsored by Carnivore Cure. Carnivore Cure is a book, a work in progress plant database, and in the future, an intense group program. Carnivore Cure is meat based nutrition and the ultimate elimination diet. The Carnivore Cure book helps to break down science and provides a step by step elimination diet protocol. It also provides extensive nutritional information and support for a meat based diet. Carnivore Cure is rooted in evidence based nutrition with over 600 citations and over 250 colored graphics and tables. If you need assurance that a meat based diet is ideal, or if you need more in depth support to guide you, then this book is for you. The colored informationals and nutrition facts will make this book a reference for years to come. Make sure to get your copy on Amazon or at carnivorecure.com. Thanks for listening, and let's get back to the show. Laura and I are just going to be talking really candid. This is what this podcast is all about. It's one thing to say, I want to eat something else that's not meat. It's a whole other thing to say, you need to eat something else that's not meat. If you notice that you're Jumping from diet to diet. At a certain point, you have to wonder the only common denominator is me. Get outside, go for a walk, get some vitamin D, breathe some fresh air,、uh, and, and stay happy and healthy and, and take care of yourselves. Let's just have some real talk. <laughs> Welcome to the Cutting Against the Grain podcast. Hey guys, thanks for joining the Cutting Against the Grain podcast. My name is Judy Cho, and I am here with my co host, Laura Spath. Hey, Laura. Hi, Judy. So, today we are going to talk a little bit about some new trends in the diet space. I think there's one that's、um, kind of come up、um, sometimes. Maybe it's just a new label on an old diet.、Um, it's called Keto Light, but I think Laura. Um, she has an article that she kind of came across, and we just kind of wanted to talk about it and like what the pros and cons are. Yeah, I don't even know how. I think this, how I found this, I was just kind of doing some research online, probably trying to kill time at work or something, like give myself a distraction. We know keto has been around for a while and has been very popular. When you go to the you know, grocery store, like everything has a keto label on it somehow. This、yeah. is how I kind of found my way to carnivore was I found keto first, it was getting popularized. At the end, like in 2018, 2019.、Um, but this was a mainstream media article, which 
you know, we both know doesn't necessarily make it credible, but I, but it's a non health space. Like it's not in the low carb world. And it was an article that just had a couple paragraphs on what they think are the top 10 diet trends for 2021 that they're predicting. And there was a lot of stuff on here, like paleo Mediterranean, obviously vegan was on there in the top 10, um, a low salt, which I thought was very interesting, unfortunately. Um, and then there was a, you know, several things like that. But the number one diet trend that they are predicting for 2021 is called Keto Light, uh, the ketogenic diet for 2021. And so I'm going to read you a couple sentences, just the first paragraph of this, if that works. Okay. So if there is one hot diet for 2021, it is the now popularized version of keto, which we like to call keto light. The original true keto diet forced followers to push themselves into ketosis by eating mostly fat, so 70% or more total of the total diet. Um, eating such high levels of fat caused them to lose weight because it made their body switch from burning carbs to burning fat right? We see this as a side note, right? We see this all the time. Um, and the article continues to say, but as keto has become more mainstream, followers are increasingly calling their diets keto as long as they just hit two keto metrics of rock bottom sugar and low net carbs. Um, and then it talks about how keto light consumers typically want high protein, unlike traditional keto, where it limits protein as no more of 20% of the diet, and then you obviously need fats. Uh, and then typically this new keto light trend, the article says, that people are looking for about no more than four net carbs, um, which and then obviously gluten-free everything else. So I loved that. I read that and was like, first of all, I started it with keto. I think low carb is the way to go. But the fact, the problem that I had, and we'll get into this here in a minute, the biggest problem I had with keto was digestive issues, but also really low protein. Right. When I go back now and think about what I was eating on keto, my protein was so low that it actually was causing me a lot of health issues, um, my hair loss and several things that we'll get into. And so I wanted to get you know, your perspective from it, Judy. I was more excited that we see this trend in keto really just keto being more of a general term to mean like super low carb diet. But then I eat, you know, meat and fats and maybe some veggies if people like it. But it's a higher protein, which is, you know, you talk a lot about that. It's so exciting. Yeah. So, I mean, a couple things when I hear that, um, I think it gets tricky because if people start eating only chicken breast and say, hey, I'm eating low carb um, and then don't really add fat, um, you're, you're going to kind of experience that rabbit starvation where basically our body has to do a lot of energy within the body to break down amino acids. So that's not necessarily ideal. So it's good that the protein trend is coming. So I think that's really important. I also when I was doing keto, the keto diet, um, my protein was really low too. So that wasn't ideal. I think it's I think the truth kind of falls in between both where I think you should have a lot of protein, but then I think you should have a decent amount of fat, you may not need to get to 80% for sure. Um, you may not even need to get to 70%. It might just be like 65. And you could still be quote unquote keto. But I just don't think the like chicken breast, um, just eating chicken breast, that type of like very, very lean meats are ideal either. Uh, one thing I wanted to say is about the low salt diet, I think it makes sense why they're saying it's trending. So if you think about just mainstream uh, nutrition, they say 
if you have high blood pressure, the way to kind of circumvent that is by eating no salt. And technically it works because high blood pressure will go up with some sodium, but that is not the root cause. It's like insulin resistance, eating way too many carbs in your diet. And so it's unfortunate that that is a trend, but it's because heart disease and high blood pressure are becoming more prevalent rather than it's an ideal diet to go to. I think it's a diet right. that most people will turn to because of their doctors. I think that's the that's where something like when people are not consistent, this is a little bit of a side note with low carb, and you're eating a lot of salt and a lot of fat, and you're having carbs regularly, Yeah, then that's where the worst of both combinations comes into play because you're retaining all the carbs, you're retaining all that water, the salt is making your blood pressure go up. So it's not the salt's fault, but it's the salt in combination with the carbs um, that's making you retain all this stuff. I have somebody at work who was wanting to start um, doing carnivore and was asking me some questions about it yesterday. And he's like, okay, so what do I need? Just eat meat. Like, that's it. I was like, yeah, meat and fat. It's great. And I was like, oh, and you need a lot of salt because as your, first of all, he has Crohn's disease and he's looking at trying to find a way to count. And I was like, you give me 60 days eating meat, please. I promise you this will help you just, just try it. Anyway, I'm, we're going to check back because I'm so excited that he's going to try this. But I was like, you have to eat a lot of salt because when you're not um, eating carbs, your body's not holding all that water and holding all those electrolytes in you. And this is kind of my like super simple way of explaining it is to say that you're going to flush out all your own electrolytes and you're going to feel terrible if you're not getting uh, enough salt in because your body's not retaining them with the carbs. Yeah. And the fact that he has Crohn's, it's essentially ulcers in your intestines. And so for him, when he reduces a lot of the foods that are harmful to the intestines, like grains, seeds, nuts, um, and so on and so forth, and reducing carbs, that will just kind of help with all the ulcers and he'll feel better. So yes, um, I think you're right with the salt. It's just by limiting your carbohydrates, then you will Um, need essentially more sodium. I think you also may need a little bit more magnesium and potassium. And I think he could figure that out later. She can figure that out later. But yes, I think adding salt is so huge. Um, But let's let's talk a little bit about the keto diet. So how did you do the keto diet uh, when you were keto? So when I first started keto was like three and a half years ago, and I did it with some a lot of processed keto foods. Now, granted, there wasn't as many in early 2018. There wasn't as many as there are now. So for me, that was like a low carb tortillas and Quest bars. I was eating a lot of Quest bars in the beginning. And so my diet consisted of three meals a day, usually like a little bit of bacon and eggs. I usually had tuna salad or chicken salad or something wrapped in a low carb tortilla. And then for dinner, I would have like a hamburger patty and a big thing of like cabbage slaw and a huge thing of broccoli and a bunch of cheese and butter. Or I would have two hot dogs wrapped in another low carb tortilla and microwaved, like super simple, all very simple stuff. But when I look back now, obviously I lost weight. I cut out carbs. Um, and pretty, I was going from eating Ben and Jerry's and pizza every day, like Chick-fil-A yeah. literally every single day I had Chick-fil-A for breakfast previously and then a pint of ice cream every night. So obviously I lost weight right, right away. Um, but over time is when my hair started falling out. And I think that was a combination of two things. I'm, I'm going down a rabbit hole not right now, but that's a combination of two things. It was the low protein because in that day that I just described, if I'm having like a quest bar for breakfast, um, so a one burger patty and a huge 
bunch of the rest of my plate is vegetables um, and everything. And then a couple hot dogs, maybe that's, I think there were days that I was getting 60 grams of protein, uh, 50 grams of protein a day. Um, and so, you know, my hair started falling out quite a bit. Um, and also just obviously any kind of rapid weight loss, big changes in your body, your hair reacts to that, uh, and falls out. Were you measuring your, um, keto or, you know, were you tracking your food on like chronometer or my fitness pal during that time? I had the carb manager, so I was very strict about not going over that protein metric. And I knew that that needed to be 20%. My carbs were like under 10% and my, um, so I was under like 20 net carbs a day. And then my fat had to be 70%, um, which is really hard to do. I just, and when you're keeping your protein that low, like when you're not eating a lot of meat. I think that's why a lot of people tend to go towards the fat bombs and stuff because they think they have to force a lot of fat. I am with you where you do need good protein and good fat. However, I do fall into the camp of people that says if you have fat on your body to burn, once you're truly fat adapted, you can lower your fat down some not low, so you're eating only chicken breast, but you can lower your fat down some so that your body's burning the fat on your body and not the fat that you're eating. When I was first doing keto, because I was still plant-based, I would eat lots of salads with lots of olive oil. I would do the coffee with the, um, I guess the bulletproof coffees with like butter and um, oils and like MCT oils. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And but I wasn't eating a ton of protein. I'm trying to think back. Sometimes I might have like a can of tuna, maybe. But in general, yeah, maybe it was just eggs. Like that was my protein. Um, and I actually measured my ketones and I would make sure that my fat was actually at 80, 75 to 80. And then uh, same thing with the carbs. Um, and I, f- I definitely felt better just because I was adding a lot more fat and I never ate a lot of fat um, prior to keto. But it never got rid of my kind of, I guess, cravings for other stuff, because I would still have like the keto bombs, and I would freeze uh, fats and just um, eat them as like treats and stuff. And I think it, I didn't feel better until I started eating meat and then eating heavier protein. So I'm a, I'm in agreement. I think the keto, I think part of the reason why keto doesn't work so well for many is that the protein amounts are way too low. Um, and then our fat especially if you haven't been eating fat, it's a strain on the gallbladder, strain on the liver for all this excess fat, and then people just can't handle it. And so they end up eating a lot of those kind of processed keto foods that I think they actually still make you retain water. And so therefore, you don't have the constant loose stool. So it's like this band aid, but it's actually not really helping you stay in ketosis. And maybe that's how people eat the high fat, but then they're just retaining more water. In a perfect world, keto would be better if it was higher fat with some protein. And then you're right, like as you become more fat adapted, then you can use levers. Like if you're plateauing and uh, you are still eating at like 75% fat, then maybe you can lower it um, and reduce the fat, like the excess fat that you're adding. And as long as you're sleeping through the night, your hormones are even, you're getting your period, that type of stuff. And then you want to lower the fat. I'm totally a fan of that. Now, if lowering your fat affects all of that, then you may have to kind of go back up. And that's where once you're fat adapted, you could figure all those things out. I think that's the difference, though. When people talk about lower fat, they think low fat, they think chicken breasts, and they <laughs> okay. think low calorie. But I do think for the me included, sometimes I will say I'm eating lower fat, but I'm still eating like 70% fat 
30% or 60%. I think a lot of the time I'm somewhere between 60 and 70% fat, which in the, if you're somebody who's eating 90% fat, like that does seem low and it's lower. I'm not eating straight fat balls or like straight fat for a meal. I'm eating a big fatty steak. Well, a big fatty ribeye is about 65 to 70% fat to protein ratio. Um, and so plus I'll add butter to it and that type of thing. So I do think that is part of the misconception. I saw somebody the other day posting stories about um, they're they're trying a low fat experiment experiment, but they were eating beef. Like in a lot of ways, you can't really be low fat if yeah. you're eating beef. Even lean cuts of beef are not really very low fat. You're still going to be well above fifty to sixty percent, even if you just ate beef and didn't add a lot of other fats to it. You're right. Um, so I think that's where maybe we should clarify. So. When I say low fat, I am not saying chicken. Like, I think when I really think low fat, I think chicken breast or no fat. Right. But when people, and I don't think that's what you're saying when you say to dial down the fat once you're fat adapted. I think you're talking more of maybe, um, what are some leaner cuts of beef? So I know New York Strip, if you remove the fat on the kind of sides, maybe it's a little bit lower fat, but it's still 60, 65% fat. Right. I think it's more just when I say lower fat, it's don't add a bunch of butter to the top of it. Eat eat the normal New York strip. You don't even eat top sirloin, filet, right. tenderloin. Those are things that are leaner. Some type of lean top round roast. Those are all leaner. Um, but maybe instead of adding a whole bunch of extra butter to it, then you can just eat it the way that it is. I don't think people need to get as crazy as like trimming off the fat from a New York strip to worry about cutting fat content. You just don't need to put three tablespoons of butter on it like I do. <laughs> yeah. So, I, you know, the thing I see with some of my um, clients and I would say some of my older clients that have been around during that whole like 80s period where you know, they were in their teens and they were hearing, we need to cut the fat. That's what's making us sick. That's what's giving us heart disease. That's what's making us fat. So it's the whole low fat, non-fat craze. And so some of those clients, they'll cut literally all the fat, even on leaner beef meats. Um, and so they can never do ribeyes. They can't even really do a New York strip because they say it's too fatty. And so when I do those ladies numbers, and I see the fat is closer to like their breakdown is more 55 or 60% fat. That's of total calories. That's when I I ask them to either eat fattier cuts of meat, maybe add some bacon or add some butter or whatever other animal fat they want to add because sometimes or oftentimes those ladies are also um, affected by hormonal imbalances, thyroid imbalances, also not being able to sleep through the night. And so when they add some more fat, they feel better. But yeah, I, I think so. This is where I think we're in agreement where when you start keto, maybe you just eat the meats, you um, add the fats and just get adapted. And then once you're adapted, you have to figure out kind of where you feel well in terms of how much fat or, you know, lean meats that you want to eat. I think one of the other downfalls for keto for a lot of people is just there's too many like trigger foods or too many treats, especially nowadays. I think the thing that I like about this new keto light trend that they're talking about is that it says the majority of people are sticking more towards like four net carbs, or I know a lot of people have stuck more to 20 total carbs instead of net. And yeah. the net to total is where you like subtract out any sugar, alcohols, or fiber. And the fiber is, is better, but what these companies sometimes play a lot of magic on their labels with adding fiber to things to get the net carbs lower. And then the sugar alcohols, like they can say on their thing, it says three carbs, but it actually is 23 car carbs, 
minus nine fiber, minus 11 sugar alcohol, and somehow you're left with three carbs. Like that's a lot of magic. And I personally feel terrible eating those foods. And I don't think they're doing anything to help people with their health goals, with their autoimmune issues or with their weight loss. Um, And so I think that's one of the good things is when people are looking more at total carbs or they're looking to reduce that number overall and reduce a lot of that processed foods. I think that helps reduce cravings and it's also going to make you more successful. Like you said, they're not going to retain water or deal with bloating or just all those things that come along with a lot of those treats. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I, I think that if you are going to eat those treats, um, I, I do think it's better to have total net, um, total carbs and not net carbs. Um, I think there was a study that I saw where they talk about how actually the fiber and even these like sh- um, sugar alcohols can impact your blood sugar. So if you are going to even eat these kinds of foods, um, I, I would highly recommend tracking your glucose. So right before you eat it, track it. And then maybe an hour or two after you eat these foods, track your blood sugar. And if it's going up a lot, then it's probably not a healthy food to be eating. And I wouldn't go by net carbs. Um, even like those low carb tortillas, they're like 20 something grams per tortilla. But then if you were to just subtract the fiber, then it's maybe like 10 grams of carbs. But again, if you are just trying to play it safe, you know, I would, again, check your blood sugar after eating one of those tortillas and then see. There's along those lines, sorry, there's a new trend that you can get everywhere. So keto bread, it's literally says keto bread on it. You can find it at Walmart and all the local grocery stores. It's the new hot thing right now. The number one ingredient is wheat flour. Okay. Then they add so much other stuff to it that's considered fiber that they're somehow able to get these carbs way down. And it ends up being like six net carbs per slice or something like that. And so really you're eating wheat bread. Uh, yeah. it's, and it's, there's no way that, that you can, and I think it's been debunked, right? That that's actually considered keto, but because they, I mean, nobody's regulating them to be allowed to put keto on their label or not. But unfortunately I see too many people going down that trap to buy. Yeah, I see the same thing. Um, So my parents were trying to still eat pizza by eating those cauliflower pizzas. Oh, yeah. And if you look at the grams of carbs in these, any of those typical cauliflower pizzas, they're very similar to a standard, like a thin crust pizza. So they add cauliflower, but then they, because it won't taste as good, they'll add like tapioca and other types of ingredients that may not be, I mean, actual flour, but it's still really high carb. And so that's where, again, it's like all these marketing um, information. And so that's why I think if you're doing keto and you want to eat these kind of snacky foods that are quote unquote keto approved, then it's, it's just really beneficial to, and that's where I think beneficial in tracking your blood glucose, or if you want to use a CGM fine, but um, I think that's where it's really important because then you can kind of see how is your body responding to it, regardless of what the number says, what the net grams say um, on the package. Yeah, I think that's why a lot of us somehow end up at carnivore because we end up yeah. getting stalled out. I mean, that's how it was for me. Really, I would say after a month or so, I lost weight initially just because of the terrible diet that I was coming from. Um, but that first flush of water weight goes away and I had to cut out the... Um, low carb tortillas. I had to cut out the quest bars because I realized they were not helping, uh, and then start cutting out all the other things kind of along the way. Uh, and, and along the way ended up at carnivore, but I think those, um, 
I think that is the benefit though of keto is that it can be a good transition if you're not ready to jump in and just say like, I'm going to try this super strict elimination diet and jump straight into the deep end. If you feel like you're somebody who needs to like inch yourself into the pool here and like wean yourself off of those things, a keto ice cream might be a good bridge or a good replacement for a Ben and Jerry's over in the beginning uh, as you kind of wean yourself off over time. That just goes back to the abstainer moderator. So I know for me, the doing keto and eating the car, um, the keto ice creams um, and the fat bombs on good days that helped, but on hard days, that's what got me back to eating kind of sugary foods. And that's what always made me struggle being in a ketogenic diet. So for me, I would have, I should have just gone straight to carnivore just because my personality is more black or white. And so if I just said, okay, no more sugar period, that might have been easier for me. I mean, I don't know, I'll never know that. But for a full year, I struggled on keto. Most days were good. But then on some days, you know, I would just get back to sugar. And I wonder if it's because the cravings for sugar were there with all these like, you know, all those like keto ice creams. And so, you know, it just goes back to knowing um, yourself and figuring out what makes sense for you. Yeah, I, I, I wish now I could have started straight carnivore, but I also wonder if I would have been able to be successful, to be honest, because I was starting with three meals a day plus snacks on keto. And I was because I was coming from what I was coming from. And I gradually got myself down to two meals a day, one meal a day, strict carnivore, adding fasting, like nothing seemed overwhelming. You know, we and I talk a lot about I can't really make these huge rash, big changes overnight and expect them to stick. And so, you know, I wish I would have got there sooner. But in some ways, maybe that gradual approach was what I needed. And now that I'm here, I know I can't go back again. I can't add those foods in those, those, because I can't moderate them. And that was obviously my problem all along. Um, but I do think in some ways I needed a more gradual approach to get here in the first place, but maybe again, that's maybe those are just lies that I was telling myself to prolong having some treats and things. But I, I spent the first two years, like so strict, like I really, for the first time ever, I was able to go a over a year without a cheat day, you know, and longer and not have those things creep back in again, uh, because I was finding alternatives for things. Yeah. And, you know, I think some people the step down approach works and some people just jumping right in works. I see a lot of people that are around me that now do the more popularized keto versions, whether whether it's like, instead of a a regular cookie, they eat the keto cookies, but I see them struggle. So for weeks, they're doing keto their version. And then one other week now, it's like, Oh, I'm just going to celebrate this birthday with the normal cake. So I don't you know, I don't know. I I wonder if those people if they just went carnivore, would they do better? Would they fare better? Because I think it's where it gets really dangerous with keto is if you're eating the kind of processed carbs, and you're minimizing your sugar on most days of the week, but then on once a week, then you start eating all the carbs. I mean, what is that doing to your cardiovascular health, your inflammation and all of that? I mean, will insulin really go down if you're just clean for two weeks, but then you go crazy for one, you know what I mean? Yeah, that is the problem with any type of low carb ketogenic diet is having those cheat days is always really a big setback. I know we've done a whole episode on that. So um, I think it's consistency more than anything is, is important. Yeah. And let's talk really quickly about some of the kind of more, you know, better known keto varieties. Um, You know, like there's that dirty keto where it's basically like, hey, I think kind of what we're talking about are the um, dirty keto where 
if it says keto, I can eat it if it kind of, um, you know, is lower ish carbs that works for me. But I will say, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know too many people who are successful on that way of eating mainly because there's, especially nowadays with the foods that are out there. Um, I just, I don't personally know. So tell me if that's you, uh, who have been able to stick to that version of dirty keto long-term and be successful. I don't, I don't know many people and that's, and that's the thing. So if people could moderate with these carby snacks that are now keto fied, even though if you check your blood sugar, they're probably not. But I think it's those foods that then make you never kind of heal your insulin resistance, metabolic disease, and then makes you stall your weight, and then wonder why you're not getting better. um, And then makes you end up eating the real food. So I think for people, if people were better at regulating their junk foods, they wouldn't be on a ketogenic diet. And that's why I think that bridge of dirty keto doesn't necessarily work because I don't think they would be on a ketogenic diet in the first place if it did. Right. Yeah, absolutely. So the other one is kind of like if it fits your macros keto, and I guess that's a type of dirty keto, right? So I know some people that'll be like, well, I'm going to eat a Snickers as long as it's under 20 grams of carbs or whatever. Fun size. Yeah, I I do know people that are like, well, I can eat a fun size Snickers because that's like X number of carbs. And then the rest of the day, I just don't eat any carbs. Like somehow that makes sense. And metabolically, they're probably right. Like you're going to stay as long you're going to stay in ketosis. Depends on how much exercise you do too, right? And how long you've been in ketosis and those types of things. Yeah. So the if it fits your macros is basically following the ketogenic macros of maybe 75% fat, 5% carb. If you follow that, that's normally the if it fits your macros and then they'll eat whatever they want. So they'll have the salad dressing of the full fat ranch and it's, hey, it's we, it's not really considering ingredients, uh, sourcing of foods, but just that you are basically under carbs. And that's the other type. And then this, I guess this new one is, or it's not new, but I mean, it's now this new, newly coined term of uh, keto light, which is basically not adding fat, but just eating uh, low carb. I don't think it's being, it's not being as obsessive about their ratios as far as fat to protein to carbs, but it's just knowing that you got to keep carbs low and then I'm going to eat meat and vegetables and some other fats and maybe some nuts and things along the way, which is, if you're not going to do carnivore, which I personally find better and more effective for a lot of people, this is about the next best way to go. I think this is probably where my mom lives a lot of the time because she goes to carnivore for a while, but then she'll have an avocado. Then she might have some broccoli once in a while. She might have, um, some nuts, which we try to get her to avoid, but she falls in, but she's making sure she eats enough protein as a woman who is postmenopausal, who has a lot of bone issues, who has a lot of arthritis, who has a lot of, you know, she's had two ankle replacement surgeries and a shoulder surgery and a, you know, all these different things. Like it is my number one concern to make sure she gets enough protein. And I know for a fact, when she first started keto, she was not getting enough protein. Uh, and I think this is the thing that I'm the most happy seeing now is that people aren't scared of protein as much as they used to be when keto first became a thing. All the keto Facebook groups in 2019, 2018, were just talking about how your too much protein was going to turn into a cupcake in your blood and how you were going to turn into carbs because you ate a steak. And I went over my protein macro today by 20 grams. I'm going to go into ketoacidosis. And like, they just start freaking out about that and think they're going to gain weight because, or all the advice on these Facebook groups back then, maybe even now I've left them all a long time ago was lower your protein, your protein's turning into sugar in your blood. 
And I think, I hope that we're past that ridiculousness. Yeah, I forgot about all of that because I didn't really eat meat. So it wasn't a big issue for me, right? right. So I was just like, oh, I mean, I don't really eat meat anyway. So it kind of works out. Um, I, You know, I've, obviously I would eat like some tuna again or some salmon, but I, it was hard for me to go over. But I do remember that now, now that you're kind of seeing all of these things. And so you're right. I am glad that um, this whole let's not be scared of protein and just, you know, limit, you limit your carbs. And that can be a ketogenic diet. I think that's great because some of my clients come to me saying that keto didn't work. But a lot of them also come to me saying, I hated tracking. The one of the reasons I do carnivore is because I don't want to track. And so by doing a ketogenic version where it's just eat the protein, if you want some nuts, if you want a little bit of veggies, greens, um, maybe some lower carb berries, fine. But as long as you don't overdo your carbs, and that's still keto, that will make it a lot more accessible for most people. And I think that's great. I think um, if you can tolerate a little bit of plant foods, great, you know, there's nothing wrong with that. And so you're right, I think it's, um, it is exciting news to hear that, you know, people aren't kind of uh, restrained by these certain macro numbers. And instead, it's just find what works for you, just lower the carbs, which essentially, all of our diets are doing, right? Yeah, I think that's the thing that everybody, no matter this space, can agree on. And I think, you know, um, there's not, I mean, not, hopefully there's not people in the carnivore space that are criticizing somebody if they like vegetables and can tolerate vegetables. And most of us don't have a, a problem with that. There's nothing wrong with those things um, if that's what you like. And I just don't, I always say this, but like, I don't miss vegetables. I miss ice cream. And so, like, it's not really a, um, something that I'm needing to put back in my diet. Plus I just remember now too, it just didn't make me feel good. Uh, so those are the, the reasons why, but I think, I think that's something that is good to have if you like it. I think that's one of the other yeah. benefits of keto is that there's a lot more variety in it. Right. Um, I think you can have a lot of variety on carnivore, but I understand how that can be limited based on your cooking methods and your ability. So um, I do think that's a huge benefit of being with keto is that you know, you can really have a lot of variety. And if you like cooking and if you like recipes and if you like meal prep, if you like to kind of do new creative recipes all the time, that's something that keto can really allow for you. I personally like not having to do all that and keeping it much more simple with carnivore. But uh, if that was your love language, you can find a lot of ways to express that with cooking and keto. If you're not doing carnivore, the next best diet or the next best kind of approach is really just adding a few veggies and maybe some lower carb fruits and just keep it really whole foods instead of doing these like almond flour treats where you make, you know, a ketified version of cakes and pastries and because it's still really processed. Um, And then using a lot of those sweeteners, again, they, um, I mean, they're, they're made from corn that makes high fructose corn syrup, yet for some reason, they don't raise our blood sugar. Like, what did they do? Right? And I talk about that in Carnivore Cure. But if you want to include anything else, I I would say, from a kind of nutritional perspective, the next best thing is to add maybe some veggies and some fruits, Um, lower anti nutrients would be better. But obviously, you have to find also what works for you for the long term, because that's what I am most a fan of is if you can do something for long term. And I think that helps that when you go a lot of places, 
Um, you know, we mentioned if there's a restaurant that's advertising cauliflower crust pizza, like maybe check on those ingredients and make sure it's really something that you want to be having. But I do think for the most part, when you go places, they don't look at you like you're crazy. If you ask for a burger with no bun or you ask for just the meat or you kind of, they're used to this low carb trend in restaurants and a lot of them are accommodating it, which is really nice. You know, you and I went to Texas Roadhouse a couple of times together and I ordered, um, the steak and a loaded baked potato with no baked potato. I know. <laughs> so then, that was so smart. Yeah. They brought me out a little cup of cheese and a little cup of bacon bits and a little cup of, I didn't eat the sour cream, but like I'm the butter and I mixed together the butter and the bacon and the cheese and had my little dessert. <laughs> uh, or you could put that on top of your steak or something. So I, I think yeah. restaurants are a lot more, we're going to do a whole travel thing, you know, sometime soon, but um that's it's it's very easy to do socially acceptable to go to a friend's house and like not eat the carbs yeah I used to have to explain hold the bun hold this hold that and now all I do is if I'm eating at a restaurant and I I want a burger I'll just say can I get a keto fried version like a keto burger and they get it so they don't give me the bun but then if I choose to eat the lettuce I can but if I don't then I won't and normally they don't add the ketchup maybe some places do but I've seen that they don't so then there's nothing sweet on it and then I'll just remove like if I don't want the pickles or it's hard when they keep the bun and sometimes the bun kind of sticks to the meat but if you do say keto or low carb, they just know to remove the button. And so, yes, it's becoming so much more accessible and it's just becoming really easy. So I think it's good. I think even the fact that that mainstream media article is saying that's the first and foremost diet that will be popular, it's good. Yeah, I think the fact that like, I said this already, but the fact that the high protein is coming back to me, it's like women need protein, like make protein great again. Like we need to not have people be scared of that and they need to be eating adequate amounts of protein. You know, I tend to fall into the Ted Naiman camp of like, you can't overeat protein um, willingly. Like it's very, very difficult. And I think for the majority of people can eat as much protein as they want and as they desire. I had to be very careful at first to make sure I was getting enough. But once I switched over to just eating steaks and cut out some of the filler, fuller, like the vegetables and the salads and stuff that were keeping me full and not feeling great, I was easily able to like start eating double the meat. Um, And then I can leverage fat. I can leverage fasting. But now, you know, my hair is great. My hormones are great. My, I still do a lot of fasting and I'm still having great uh, issues with my hair and with my hormones. Um, which I think is a big part of it. We need a good amount of fat and a good amount of protein. I think a lot of women can just eat ribeye and not add fat to their ribeye, but eating the fat bits on their ribeye. And that would be a good balance for most. I think I could even do that sometimes or most times I add like a tablespoon of butter. But in general, we need both because one, again, hormones are made mostly from fat. The sex hormones are stress hormones. We are under a lot more stress. So we're Cortisol is going to be burning through a lot more of our hormones. And so we then need more to support other areas of the body. Um, But then we need the protein for our thyroid hormone. It's not made from fat. It is made from protein. And so when we under eat protein, then you risk the health of your thyroid. And then also you want to make sure and um, get enough iodine in the body as well. So it's this fine balance. Um, And again, I'm happy to hear that keto is saying to eat more protein, but I am not a fan of just eating lean proteins of like the chicken breast, which I'm sure most people won't do because it is really, really hard to eat high protein when it's only chicken breast and nothing else. That doesn't taste good. Nobody likes that. (laughs) That's why most people like 
just the thought of eating a chicken breast, like it's that your mom's old dried out chicken breast that might, you know, everybody's parents used to overcook chicken. Yeah. Most people don't know how to cook chicken. Yeah. And you know, the thing is, I think people will try that type of keto light and then the kind of ushering into, Hey, my autoimmune's not getting better. Right. Um, certain gut issues aren't getting better. And it's like, oh, why don't I just remove the lettuce or remove that slice of tomato or remove, you know, whatever it is. And then maybe it's I just try carnivore for a little bit so I can see that ushering in even easier. And that's great. I think a lot of our disease comes from the bad foods we eat. And so as we do healing and sometimes we need more healing with like an elimination diet like carnivore, um, it's it's just all good news. So that's good. Yeah, definitely. We have to support people eating more meat um, and supporting the food chain and the beef and all those good things we talked about um, with that episode with Paul as well. Right. Um, And quick question. So in the article, did they have like an opinion after the diets or like, was there a, oh, this diet isn't great for you or be careful of this diet? You know what? It didn't because I think uh, they really highlighted everyone and I didn't go through and read the vegan section and I should have. I'll look at it here. I'm going to pull it up. But basically they were just, it was more of just a description. Factual? Okay. Yeah. Just kind of talking about like, what are the, what are the factors that make it up? So the fact that most everything in keto is gluten-free and all that stuff as well. The other one on this list was interesting is the immune support diet, which is is an unfortunate actually, because it's talking about eating tons of like vitamin C, tons of eating citrus, tons of things with vitamin D. It's like the COVID, uh, you know, safety diet or whatever, which those things are all great to have, but it's unfortunately it's pushing a lot of, um, like antioxidant foods or the, or the high toxic plant foods that you talk a lot about in carnivore cure, um, a lot of sugars, a lot of citrus and things like that. But it is looking at those, you know, fake healthy foods, I guess. Right. Right. And it's funny because there's a lot of people that have gut issues that cannot tolerate a lot of citrus bioflavonoids and all of that. So it's unfortunate if they are trying to support the immune system, they should eat mostly meat and reduce any foods that will affect your small intestine and it's right. just we at the top of the list. No, there's nothing in here that's like their opinion on anything. I think they're more just like covering the what's okay, good. Yeah. good. But it's good to see low carb up there. I think, you know, we got to continue to spread this message and maybe carnivore will be up there on 2022. Yeah. Yeah. I I hope so. That would that would be pretty cool to see. Do you think you would ever do a, you know, like a keto light you know, I think I do. Like I said, my mom goes back and forth. I wouldn't be opposed to something like that. Like it wouldn't look, I mean, I, I think unfortunately though, I just get a little too crazy. Like in 2020, I tried to have an occasional, occasional nuts, uh, occasional keto chocolates, occasional peanut butter. And we all know that didn't end very well for me. And so I think I have to kind of stick in this world now. Um, I'm not scared of eating those things on occasion. If I was out somewhere and I, we went to Fogo for lunch today and I always eat their chicken salad, which is, I did ask them, I had to put in a request with their headquarters and found out there's no sugar in their chicken salad, but it does have some bits of like something green in there. I think it's parsley or some celery pieces. Like those are all things that I'm fine with. So to me, that's right. maybe that's carnivore light. I don't think I'll ever be keto light, but I, I probably live more in the carnivore light world where I put pickles in my chicken salad and I enjoy some sauce and I enjoy some things like that occasionally. Um, but I can't imagine myself going back to keto to be more in the keto light range. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm in the same, I'm on the same page with you. I think some herbs once in a while having a bite of veggies is fine, but I just do best. I feel best yeah. mentally. I feel super sharp just eating a carnivore keto version. So 
Yeah. Yeah. We'll we'll label ours carnivore light. (laughs) Sounds good. Okay. As we're wrapping up, leave us some reviews and let us know if you actually do keto light and if you enjoy it or if you like our version of the carnivore light. Um, Just let us know. Thank you for all the five-star reviews and the Apple um, reviews. We appreciate all of them. We are going to read a few right now. The first one comes from Catherine RN7, Mom, Wife RN. She says, my first podcast ever and loved it. I found Carnivore through Laura. I believe higher gas prices are increasing beef cost as well. I wish I could go back in time and raise my children with the knowledge I have now, but hoping they will give it a try with my guidance and sharing info. Looking forward to listening to all these podcasts. I would love you both to interview farmers who raise buffalo. Brad from Bon Appetit did a video about buffalo ranchers and regenerative land management. Thanks for what you're doing. I often think back about, that was a very kind review, thank you, but I also think back to like my kids and how they started out or, and and all we can do now is just move forward and, you know, teach them what we are now. Yeah. Exactly. Our bodies are so resilient. I mean, you, we can overcome decades of damage to the body by just eating right now. So there's never, it's never too late to start, right? So there's that saying that says the best time to start was yesterday. And then the next best time to start is today. Cool. Okay. So the next uh, review is by SVAZQUE1. Finally found the right podcast for me. I have been doing keto and intermittent fasting for years. I've had to be stricter and stricter and reduce my calories even more to see results. Your podcast speaks to me because you describe similar issues. No other keto or carnivore professionals and or influencers talk about having to go below a thousand calories to maintain or how OMAD will stop working after a while, among other issues. I've loved every episode so far. Thank you. Um, I think we try really hard to keep this uh, podcast very real. Um, try not to, you know, have a lot of fluff and just share our own experiences. It can sometimes be a little bit too real. Maybe it's triggering for some people that are, you know, wanting to see rainbows and unicorns. But, um, you know, this is real life. Um, and we want to really give a resource to the community where even if there are days we struggle in general, we are healing and we feel better and a meat-based diet is doing well for us. And it may not be perfect, but what we're trying to share is that it still can be healing even if there are some days that are not ideal. Yeah. The next one is from J-R-I-V-S-L. It says, love this podcast. I love this podcast. It is so insightful, easy to listen to, and super helpful. So thank you. Thanks for leaving us a review. Yes, thank you guys so much for leaving these reviews. And again, we will read the five-star reviews on online. So please feel free to share and give back some opinions on um, just, again, if you have tried Keto Light. We'll talk to you guys next week. Bye, guys. Thanks for tuning in to the Cutting Against the Grain podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please make sure to share and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. This helps us to share real talk with more community members. You can also find my other podcast, Nutrition with Judy, on all podcast channels. You can also follow my content on Nutrition with Judy's Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter. You can find Carnivore Care in paperback, ebook, and audio on Amazon. I also have a blog post and weekly newsletter with nutrition and wellness updates. You can sign up at nutritionwithjudy.com. You can find Laura on Instagram at Laura Eastbath. You can follow along on her daily stories and see some of her funny skits. You can also find Laura on our YouTube channel where she shares tips on living a meat-based lifestyle. If you're wondering how much meat to eat in a day, week, or month, Laura has you covered. She also shares how to make a perfect sear on a steak and how extended fasting looks like in real life. You can find our YouTube channel by searching Laura's Bath. 
Thank you again for joining us. And remember, make sure to cut against the grain. Thanks for tuning in to the Cutting Against the Grain podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please make sure to share and leave us a review and leave any comments and questions on Apple Podcasts. We will read and answer your questions and comments on an upcoming podcast episode. This also helps us to share our real talk with more community members. You can also find me on my other podcast, Nutrition with Judy, on all podcast channels. You can also follow my content on Nutrition with Judy's Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter. You can find Carnivore Cure in paperback, ebook, and audio on Amazon. I also have a blog post and weekly newsletter with nutrition and wellness updates. You can sign up at nutritionwithjudy.com. You can find Laura on Instagram at Laura East Bath. You can follow along on her daily stories and see some of her funny skits. You can also find Laura on her YouTube channel where she shares tips on living a meat-based lifestyle. If you're wondering how much meat to eat in a day, week, or month, Laura has you covered. She also shares how to make a perfect sear on a steak and how extended fasting looks like in real life. You can find her YouTube channel by searching Laura's Bath. Thanks again for listening to the Cutting Against the Grain podcast. And remember, make sure to cut against the grain.